The following Dharma talk was given by Ron Hogan Green. Hogan Sensei is a lay teacher in the Mountains and Rivers Order. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at cmm.org. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon. This is case 86 from the Blue Curve Record. Humans, everyone has their own light. The introduction. Holding the world still does not allow any leaks. Cutting off all streams does not leave a single drop. And as soon as you open your mouth, you're wrong. To try to deliberate is to miss the point. Now tell me, what is the barrier-penetrating eye? See the following. Human spoke to the assembly and said, Everyone has their own light. What is everyone's light? When you look, you don't see it. Everything is dark. Human answered himself, The kitchen pantry and the main gate. And again he said, a good thing isn't as good as nothing. Zawedo's verse. It illuminates itself, absolutely bright. He gives a clue to the secret. Flowers have fallen, trees give no shade. Who does not see if they look? Seeing is non-seeing. Non-seeing is seeing. Facing backward on the ox, they ride into the Buddha hall. Enlightenment. Such an interesting word. Impossible to understand. A word misleading by its very nature, being a word, and that the crux of Buddhist practice is what Shakyamuni Buddha experienced, and it is what Zen practice rests on. When Yunman said everyone has their own light, he's pointing at something that defies explanation. Mr. Hakwin says of this, no explanation is needed. I would add, none needed and none reaches it. The very nature of realization is that there's nothing outside it. How would you explain it? How would you talk about it? Hakwin also says, don't accept any interpretations at all. Don't understand it is inherent in everyone. That's pretty interesting. It's coming from the viewpoint of you realizing it in your bones. So don't just step back and say, well, everyone has it. And it's interesting because after all, it's said all the time that we are inherently, we are inherently all Buddhas. 
that we inherently have Buddha nature, inherently are enlightened. Yet, because of our conditioning, because of our karma, because of our unskillful ways of being, we don't see it for ourselves. When Hakuin says, don't understand it as inherent in everyone, what is he asking of you? What is he asking to realize besides an idea or an expression of enlightenment? Sometimes practitioners express frustration with their understanding and progress. Implicit in this, and everyone has a different way of expressing it, is when will I become enlightened? Yet, from the very beginning of our practice and sitting zazen, we are cultivating our own light. Which, interestingly enough, is not a visible light to our eyes, nor is it invisible. Zazen and all of the many ways of practicing that rest on zazen is creating the karma that invites us to experience our own light shining forth. It is in the doing. And yes, how that is, is different for each one of us. Different karma, different desires of what we want, different aspects of ourself hidden from ourself that we've not seen into yet. But in all cases, a light is already shining, without exception. Everybody has their own light, says Yunman. In the introduction, it says, holding the world still does not allow any leaks. Cutting off all streams does not leave a single drop. Why Zazen? Whither is Zazen? Where does it go? In an absolute sense, Zazen doesn't go any place. This is a realization of the direct experience of Zazen. We are practicing that realization every time we take a breath, every time we inhale and exhale with our mind torn, turned towards that. And in each of the practices we do, we are practicing our own light. And so, in that sense, Zazen doesn't go anyplace. Yet, from another perspective of practice, if we continue on, if we are fueled by a genuine sense to know who we are, within our Zazen, we become increasingly quiet. Still. Until... Holding the world still does not allow any leaks. Cutting off all streams does not leave a single drop. This stillness is really interesting, and we encounter 
the invitation to be still, the border of stillness. In our zazen, from the very beginning, you know the place where our mind begins to quiet down. And just as it does, we create ourselves. How do we create ourselves? With a thought, with an idea, with a question. Is this it? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? So this happens when we work with our breath. It happens when we work with Mu at the very cusp of just being Mu, we pull back. And there's a sense being scared of fear. This happens at Chikantaza, where the mind becomes still. And yet, in the stillness, we create a thought. We allow a thought. And interesting, and I don't know if I can express it, there can be a thought not allowing, not not allowing, but just passing through us, not disturbing the stillness in the slightest way. So there's this fear underneath. It's interesting, even in koan practice, there's so many koans, that the koans always find you where you loiter, so to speak. Some people will instantly see a koan. No problem. And some koans may be considered, rightly or wrongly, more available or easier than others. But you can't predict where someone will not see. Because there's something in a koan, in that koan, that comes up a butt against where you will not let go of, where you will not give yourself permission to see what would be obvious to someone else. So that's yours. That's the wonder of koan practice, that it will always find us in so many ways, from so many different perspectives, what we are not willing or at this moment able to let go of. And that's why it's so important that the insight into the koan not be offered to you if you're not willing to see it. You have to see it. That space, that stillness, is something different than what we're used to. It reminds me how in some religions it's said that if your mind is still, that that space is a space for the devil to come in and take over your mind. That's a teaching of some religions. Instead of the devil, our self-centered need for affirmation comes forth. And self-existence creeps into the silence. 
How? Just as a simple thought, an idea, a question. Oh, I can't do this. This is wrong. Oh, this is right. I'm quiet. Enlightenment must be right around the next thought. From one perspective, there's nothing wrong. This is just practice. So we practice this. We move right on. So to see through, to see the fundamental nature of reality, which is empty, we have to cultivate the silence of our being. Really cultivate it. We're not just doing something unautomatic here. We're not just counting the breath and following the breath and being the breath and being the koan out of some really stupid recipe. It's not like that. There's something that we are cultivating that goes completely within us, deep within us, to the very bottom. But we can't see it. We can't know it. We may encounter at the edges, so to speak, sometimes many times, before we're trusting enough of ourself that we will not die or fall off the edge of a flat earth, but can just, just. As the introduction says, to try to deliberately to try to deliberate, to negotiate, is to miss the point. There's no deliberation here. There's just the simplicity and the vastness of the practice. So where are we when a fundamental quiet is present? Where are we indeed? Again, in the introduction, cutting off all streams does not leave a single drop. A single drop of what? Of whom? Well, who? I couldn't figure out what was the right word there. So I'm covering my bases. Of whom or who would be more accurate? It's so subtle. So subtle. We begin to appreciate how subtle and how vast our mind is at this place. Yunman spoke to the assembly and said, everyone has their own light. A statement that stands as it is. It is just the way it is. It speaks not of you, but speaks you directly. It's not about you, it is you. You have your own light. The absolute light, luminous throughout the whole universe, unfathomable excellence pervading everywhere. Your own light. That's just the way it is. It's a given. 
So where is it? When you look, you don't see it. Everything is dark. Dark. What are we speaking of here? Your own light. In light, in mint. Your light. What is your enlightenment? Where is it? What is not included in your enlightenment? What's left out? As soon as you try and see it, you can't. It's dark. Is there a relationship between you not being able to see it and your mind, your thoughts, your feelings, your words that pour out of your mouth, the ears we fill with so many sounds? Thought came to mind of this is Gollum, my precious, my precious. You know, my thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts, my feelings, my feelings, my feelings, my precious. We construct our whole life on that and live out of that and act out of that. Our precious. Sazen is actualizing emptiness. It's making it apparent. We can vaguely understand emptiness through our intellect, vaguely. Certainly, talk about it. But it's only through our direct experience, which is actually not an experience, and I don't know how to unwind that, that you will see deeply into the darkness of no understanding, no ideas of enlightenment, and no ideas of delusion. No idea. You can't reach this with your thinking mind, with your heartfelt feelings. This is why we practice Sazen. Not to get rid of these things, but to see right through them, to honor them by seeing what they truly are and how they arise and are present and where they go. Not to cut off any part of ourself, but to honor our true self, which is no other than yourself, all of yourself. But there's an investment here. An investment of letting go of something. In his poem, To Know the Dark, by Wendell Barry, he says, to go in the dark with the light is to know the light. To know the dark, go dark. Go without light. And find the dark too, blooms and sings, and is traveled by dark feet and dark wings. I want to read it again. To go in the dark with the light is to know the light. To know the dark, go dark. 
go without light, and find the dark too, blooms and sings, and is traveled by dark feet and dark wings. We know this poem. Within darkness there is light, but don't look for that light. Within light there is darkness, but do, do not try to understand that darkness. Why not? How would you understand something that cannot be understood by thinking? Can't be done. It's difficult to appreciate in one sense and easy in another. I, I know I've spoken of this a number of times before. Forgive me, I can't resist because it fits. When I lived in A-frame through three, I would walk up the hill on many nights without a flashlight. I wanted to know the dark. Or to put it another way, I wanted to know myself when I didn't know myself. When my ways of being couldn't help me. Most nights, there's enough light. And you know, the eyes adapt. And when we don't look directly, but look from the side, we begin to, with our peripheral vision, pick up through the dimness. And you can follow the path, mostly pretty well. But maybe one or two nights a month, it's absolutely pitch dark. You could see a thing. Now, every morning and every night, and sometimes during the day, I would walk up and down that road for years. And I would see it. I knew it. It was as familiar as could be. And I suppose I could have shut my eyes, but that somehow didn't work for me. I would cheat, I know. But on those darkest of nights was the most interesting to me. Because I had no eyes. I couldn't see. So I would have to feel with my feet. I'd have to go very slowly. I could feel myself wander into a ditch. By the way, don't do this now because the ditches are much deeper. <laughs> but back then it was kind of okay. Or if you do it, do it with a, uh, a stick or something to save you from breaking your leg. But I would feel my way. And it just wasn't with my feet. I don't know the senses I was using. All of them somehow feel the presence of a tree. Is this where the road curves? The dirt slightly shifts. And off I'd go. It would take quite a while. And the longer it took, the more sensitive I became. And I would recognize the feel of the road as I walked. I could feel a turn, even if I couldn't see a turn. 
And yes, I would wander sideways and away. Everyone has their own light. What is everybody's light? When you look, you don't see it. Everything is dark. And Unman answered himself, the kitchen pantry and the main gate. And again he said, a good thing isn't as good as nothing. But why is a good thing not as good as nothing? As I understand it, in this koan, that point is offered to point at non-duality. You've heard many times, well, there's good, there's bad. It's dualistic. A good thing is not as good as nothing. When love and hate are cast aside, the way stands clear and undisguised. Love, hate, they bring forth each other. First about that, we're practitioners. When hate comes forth, we can practice that. We can see into that. It doesn't have to be dualistic. And that dualism of love and hate is present in many relationships, certainly in politics. I've learned to be very cautious when my emotional gauge goes way up and I'm insistent because I've learned I'm probably far to one side. But, when I, but I want to look at a good thing from another perspective involving us. I'm going to speak some words. They're not my words. They're your words. And I think this is an appropriate time to say them, so that we listen as a sangha, if I may. As the first black identified woman of color to serve the MRO sangha as Shuso, I'm wondering what it will mean that a biracial woman who grew up in New York City public housing is about to take up this practice in such a public way. My father was literally a black man who grew up in the segregated South. And that history is part of my embodied lived experience. When I recognize my fear of this, this all being seen so, so publicly, I remember that this is Sangha. I know you will continue to hold me and guide me in my practice, as you have always done. I know, too, because I can feel it, that I can only be my own authentic self, and that it will be enough. My trust in Sangha, my commitment 
to the co-creation of belonging, my devotion to the Dharma, penetrates every single aspect of my existence. I will try in every day and in every way to do my best. Seriously, Sangha, you got this. She goes on to talk about karma, the theme of the Ango. She says, another manifestation of dependent arising, karma, the law of cause and effect, <clears throat> tells us that everything exists, that exists arises due to specific causes and conditions. Karma is nonlinear and complex. Karma caused, focused on the liberating potential of what the mind is doing with every moment can change lives. As such, who we are and what we are comes from being here now. And it is important that our mind's motives for what is doing right here be alive. She quotes Daito Roshi then. Cause and effect are one thing. And what is that one thing? You. That's why what you do and what happens to you are the same thing. My hope for this Ango is for us to learn how we might begin to move beyond our superficial ideas of good and bad karma towards our naturally embodied expression of wholesome action, intentional action that springs from selfless, selfless compassion, loving kindness, and wisdom while letting go of our conditioned unwholesome actions which spring from greed and anger and delusion. Together we may touch on the importance of learning how to work with karma for all our happiness, for all our relationships, in order to fulfill our vow to save all beings. I hope you will be able to join me with gratitude and with love. A good thing isn't as good as nothing, but this is good. This is good. How so? One of the expressions of enlightenment is the five ranks of Master Tozong, which are five ways of understanding fundamental reality. We actually don't speak of it very much. It comes at the end of training. It's not something that intellectually is graspable. The third rank is coming from the real. And I want to read the poem in relationship to what was just read. So coming from the real, within nothingness there is a path leading away from the dusts of the world. Even if you observe the taboo on the present emperor's name, you will surpass the elegance 
of one of your who silenced every tongue. That's the Buddha. Even if you observe the taboo of not speaking the present emperor's name. I think you can also understand that of not speaking of emptiness, although I'm certainly speaking of it. It says, within nothingness there is a path. There is a path. Not nothing. There's a path. Leading away from the dust of the world. Our work is to see that within nothingness, within emptiness, there is a path leading away from the dust of the world. It rests within nothingness, but doesn't rest at all. It comes forth, comes forth in all the ways in this ango, in this practice, in doing our best to include all of our beings, our whole beings, in this dharma. It's so difficult. There's so much going on. It's so charged. It's so fucking racial. And it's real that we live in this life. It's real that we each have the power to do good, every single one of us. Perhaps we start off thinking ourselves as a little person with great doubts and fears. But as we sit and we go deeper, our light begins to shine. We don't own it. We can't model it. We can't talk about it. But it begins to shine. And you can see it in each of the white-robed ones. You can see it in each of the gray-robed and black-robed and no-robed ones. All who practice in this way. It is alive. It shines. And we have our part, our part to go into the darkness within our zazen and to shine the light coming out of our zazen. Zawedo's verse. It illuminates itself absolutely bright. He gives a clue to the secret. Flowers have fallen. Trees give no shade. Who does not see if they look? Seeing is non-seeing. Non-seeing is seeing. Facing backward on the ox, you ride into the Buddha hall. It illuminates itself, absolutely bright. That's the irony. We don't have to do anything. We have to do everything, but we don't have to do any, this specific thing. We can't make it shine. It's already shining. It illuminates itself. But although it is illuminated, this light is solitary. 
not that it is only you. It is just you. Do you understand? It is just you. That's enough. Just you. Gives a clue to the secret. Flowers have fallen. Trees give no shade. Here there's nothing to think. Nothing to say. Nothing to figure out. Are you willing to enter in that place where there is nothing to think, nothing to figure out, nothing to negotiate, nothing to desire, nothing to run away from? That's the invitation of this practice. Are you willing? And the good news is, if you're not, keep sitting. Plenty more where that came from. This is your Zazen. This is the self-forgotten. So, if you're afraid, if you think you can't do it, keep doing it until there's nothing to think, nothing to do, nothing to say. Given this, who does not see if they look? Yunmen speaks of the storeroom, the gate. I say, autumn leaves scatter over the entire earth. The weeping cherry tree has not a single leaf. Can you not see? No eyes are required. No words are needed. Thoughts? Why create something? Who would create it? Seeing is non-seeing. Non-seeing is seeing. Facing backward on the ox, you ride into the Buddha hall. Selfless, indeed. You become all selves. But what is this riding backwards into the Buddha hall? The karma of practice realization is being created right now in this hall, in this time, in this place, on your mat, on your cushion. Is forgetting the self to be awakened by the 10,000 things limited to some mystical realization of understanding? some grandiose spirit? How about riding your ox backwards into the kitchen so you can prepare a meal? How about the activity of no activity in which doing has no doer? We are all about relationships. All of us. Realizing on one hand the self-nature of our being and all beings. Realizing there isn't a single being to be found amidst all of us and many more. The activity that arises out of this realization is not expressed 
as no self or selflessness or all beings, but in this very place itself, in my knees hurting, and I'm my tiredness, and in the kitchen pantry, opening that, and the main gate, walking through that, and the shutting of the door behind me. This is our light. This is our life. We as a Sangha and as each person can awaken, can live our life in a way that truly articulates and brings forth our heart. And we don't have to know much about it. We just have to go straight ahead. Thanks so much for listening. To find out more about the monastery's programs, weekend retreats, and residency, please visit our website at zmm.org.